Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now, here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. That's right. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of According to Flint, staying true to our Western sports roots this week as we welcome the two-time PBR world champion bull rider, CBS Sports Network analyst, color commentator, stand-up comedian, uh, spokesmodel, whatever you want to call him. He's the one and only Justin McBride. McBride, you got a pretty good background there. Sunshine, trees, not bad in Texas right now, huh? Yes, sir. It's really nice right now. It, we had some cold weather. Nothing like y'all get, but we had some some of that cold North Texas weather about a week ago, and it is gone right now, and I am glad. Uh, my friend Shorty Gorham and your friend will vouch for me that I might be from Montana, but maybe the coldest I ever was was a 37-degree night in San Antonio, Texas. It's just not supposed to do that. That's way worse. No, no. That's I think the coldest I maybe have ever been is in Florida. In Tampa one year, it was cold yeah. for down there, and that's the same way. It, it's nothing compared to the temperatures that you're used to dealing with, but it was so cold. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I, I called you, um, you know, when we were setting this up, and I sent you a message, and you said, I'll call you back. Uh, I'm at one of my kids. Uh, I'm at my daughter's volleyball game. Yeah. That's cool. That, to be able to do that right now, what, what's your how old are your kids now? Uh, our daughter is a freshman, and our son is a fifth grader. Okay, so it's it's nonstop around our place, and they play every sport known to man. Um, so they're they stay pretty active. Is let's say your son Jack, Jackson, right? Jackson, Jackson, Jackson. Jackson uh, does he own the rooster? That we can hear in the background is Jackson. Yeah, he does. He does. My dad, his grandpa brought it out to him. It's a terrible critter too. It is terrible. (laughs) Cases, Jill and Addison around, they're scared to death of it. And it's, it has a little coop over here off the side of the cabin where it lives. And like, it's to the point where I don't shut the door at night. I leave the door. We've got tons of coyotes out here and things. I'm just inviting something (laughs) to get this dang rooster. And nothing no. will, man. He he's a survivor. I don't feed him water. I mean, he is self-sufficient rooster. And you can't pay. He that's good. Nothing can probably kill him. No, nothing. I I wanted some guineas. Is what I wanted. <laughs> don't they keep some? What do guinea hens? Snakes. 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 Yeah. Yes, yeah, snakes. And like where I live in Texas, there's a lot of copperheads, which uh, are terrible snakes. Uh, they make no sound. They look just like dead leaves, and they're very venomous. So I hear about these guineas, right? Yeah. Guineas are what you need. So I ask around, and, and, and Jackson's little football coach, his parents, they raised some guineas. So they gave me a set of guineas. I was pumped, man. I had this little house deal I built for them and everything. Well, I would let them out during the day, and you'd kind of stand there with them, and then you'd put them back up. I thought they were pretty trained, so I opened the door. I've never seen the guineas again. <laughs> They're eating somebody else's snakes. But this damn rooster, I can't kill. <laughs> um, Nobody wants him. Uh, we can't get rid of him. Uh, we'll blame it. Blame it on Jackson. Um, yeah. You know, I was <clears throat> talking about your kids. Uh, the last one of these that we put out was with Dan Mortensen. I told you that before we started, and he start. He's he's my age and has little kids. 
And your kids, when you retired, were pretty small, right? Uh, yeah, that- Addison was Addison was really small, and, and Jackson wasn't born yet. So, right. yeah, they were. Uh, well, Dan, he told me, and maybe you feel the same. Dan Mortensen said, I could not have had the success in rodeo I had if I would have had kids early because this sport – whether it's rodeo, whether it's PBR, this sport takes everything you have to pour into it. And if I would have had those kids, I wouldn't have been able to do that. You feel the same a little bit? Yeah, I I agree with him a hundred percent. And I'm sure it's different for everybody. Everybody has different ways of compartmentalizing things or dealing with things or whatever. But the way the way that I do things with my kids and the way I approach being a dad, there's no way, no way. (laughs) Dan says he wouldn't have been able to have that level of success. I would have had no success (laughs) um, to be honest with you. I I just wouldn't have, because um, I think a little bit to what he is talking about is for me personally, from a bull riding standpoint, it was from the time I was, you know, I had a pretty good idea. I was going to make my living riding bulls when I was about eight. Um, now some people call that a pipe dream, but I was pretty dead set on it at about eight years old. That's how I was going to make my living. I didn't know that it was going to be in the PBR because there wasn't a PBR at that time, but that's how I knew I was going to be a professional at whatever level riding bulls. And so from the time of that age until the time I was 28, when I quit, that's all every second was about. I mean, even when we were out raising hell, we still somehow related that to bull. Um, You know, like that's, it was all part of it to us. Um, And when I say us, I'm talking about Ross and JW and these guys that, that I ran around with. And um, even when I was home, I was at a bull ride, you know, I, I mentally, that's where I always was at. That's why I used to love. I used to be a fanatic about bow hunting and it, it wasn't so much about hunting, even though I love to hunt, it was more just that time where nobody could talk to me, right? Where, where nothing was distracting me. I was just in the woods and I could just think about riding bulls. Um, and it consumed really, pretty much every second of my life for, um, you know, my adolescence through young adulthood. Yeah. Is that, do you think when you pour that much into it, I, I forgot, I guess that you were only 28 when you retired and when, when you retired, you know, everybody talks about, well, maybe he'll be back or whatever. And you said, Hmm, I'm tired. I don't want to get, I don't want to do it anymore. But the fact you did that for 20 years and poured everything into it, which there's a consistency in guys we've talked to, Ty, Dan Mortensen, you, you're tired. It's pretty soon. You're good. You just can't pour anything more into it. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I, I know it's different for everybody. Everybody makes their decisions differently, how they feel, whatever. Um, for me, I, I wasn't hurt. I wasn't too old. I I felt like I felt like when I quit, I was the best I'd ever been. Like things had gotten so slow. I I I knew when one was changing leagues. When 
like I had to really make myself get patient <laughs> on the back of a bull because I, I just, everything slowed down so much. And I could, I had such a feel for it at that point that I had to wait for him to do it. I knew it was coming, but I would have to stop and wait for him to actually take that jump. And I knew I couldn't maintain that. Yeah. And I didn't ever want to be different than it was right then. Yeah. And, and I knew I couldn't maintain. I was 28. It was going to start coming down the other side of the mountain at some point. Um, and I didn't want to go on that ride. I loved the ride I'd been on getting to there. And I, I didn't want to ride it down the other side of the mountain. Uh, I'm probably jumping ahead a little here on the uh, direction I wanted. Man, that to, rooster's going. Man, that me. rooster is, he's getting after it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but all night too. I don't know when this thing <laughs> But But what says a, a podcast about you than a... Then a big Crazy cock rooster. in the background. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm probably jumping ahead a little on kind of where I wanted to go. But when you talk, you know, uh, I'm a big football fan. I love watching football. And they say those great quarterbacks, they get really great when the game slows way down. You know, I think that's anything. And now you, you help guys. You're on TV. Can you help guys slow the game down or is that gotta be in here is that up to them or is there a way to do that that's 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 a great question and it's a very timely question because yesterday <laughs> ross coleman and i oh. and cody lambert we all loaded up i've been riding a bunch of colts and stuff mm-hmm. and trying to learn more and more about this stuff and got to meet some really cool guys and have them help me in different things and and so yesterday we all loaded up and went down to a cutting horse guy named Corey pounds mm-hmm. great trainer great cowboy you know and and uh great showman he's won a lot of the big major events over the years and he's gearing up getting ready for the cutting horse maturity which is coming up and I was asking him stuff and he was helping me with this two-year-old. And then he let me on a finish cutter and was talking me through it the whole time and this and that. And I was asking him about, you know, maybe getting a finished horse and showing some in the future and stuff. And he said, yep. And I will help you every step of the way, but there's no substitute for experience. I can tell you all this stuff and you'll get it. You know, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying, but until you're able to apply it, it takes repetition. You got to do it and do it and do it. Um, and the same way with bull riding, you know, you can tell somebody the fundamentals mm-hmm. and they're simple. They're simple and they never change. They never have changed and they never will change. You can tell them those fundamentals. And there's two things though. First off, they've got to buy into it. Yeah. If they don't believe what you're saying, if, if they're just, thinking you're giving them lip service and oh well i don't really like what he's telling me which is a I'm lot go that, ask this guy that happens a lot that happens it a happens lot a ton. all the time and which is fine yeah I, I don't care i i mean i'm not selling anything i i don't charge guys you know i sure it's not about that for me i i just want to see guys be the best bull rider they can be and if anything that i know can help them do that i'm more than willing um to share that with them but if they don't buy into what you're telling them it's it's all for not you know um and then second it's it's got to be that experience because the way i felt on the back of a bull sometimes i can see a guy riding i'm like i know what it feels that like feels to him. Like I, I can kind of relate to it other guys i'm like oh i've never felt that 
I have no idea what you're going through right now. We just went about it so starkly different that I'm like, man, you need to go talk to Adriano or some other guy that was built more like you that that had that more um, muscular type of riding style um, because that that was not me. Wow. Um, I, I watch it. I mean, I name a couple guys that I have even said to him, even though I've never been on a bull, I've seen it on TV. I've seen a few bull rides. You've seen a few. Of I've them. seen a few, and I can, I've learned I pick things out. I, I can name two just off the top of my head. Andrew Alvidrez, great rookie guy, and Keyshawn Whitehorse, where I've said. Very similar. Very, very similar guys. Two similar guys, and they'll just get busy. They're busy. busy, and I've told them, <laughs> hey, take a breath and just let it happen in front. I never know how to put it like you do, but am I Settle right? Down, it's like Francis. sometimes just yeah. calm down. So Chill I, I, I kind of know. know, right? I know. Yeah, no, that's spot on. And, and like that, those are great, great young men. I, yeah. I really like yeah. both of them. Um, that Andrew, I, I was so impressed with Andrew all year. Yeah. Um, I say all year. From the time I got to see him at Guthrie, um, through the through the back part of the year um i'm excited when he comes back healthy um but he's a strong little dude yeah that's that's the thing with these guys they're so strong they're little freak athletes they work out all day every day and then they go watch videos and chat snap and gram and all this crap um so there's a ton of information there's great athletes and it don't always make a great final product. Right. You know, it, it, at some point, just go ride a flipping horse around bareback, man. Just get a feel for what's going on. Um, in bull riding, you've got to have a feel. Yeah. And the only way to develop that, it isn't making some moves. You know, they, they get so into all these, oh, I got to do this with my arm or this and that. And no. The move is if you're not in the middle, get back in the middle. Yeah. You know, and it really is that simple. Now, there's a handful of things along the way that have got to be right to accomplish that the majority of the time. But mm-hmm. um, it's something that definitely is and can be overthought. Hey, you know what, though? You bring, bring up a point, too. <clears throat> it's different now. Um, when you say, man, you watch videos, you're on your phones, you're always working out. It's a different generation. I, I look at my career as generations of guys, even though they're not full generations. It's different now. It used to be, I go through the lobby of the hotel and Luke Snyder, Ross Coleman, J.W. Hart, Justin McBride, Tater Porter, they're all down there. You're having we a beer. We weren't hard to find. No, playing the guitar. And I. These, this is a different generation of guys. I can go into a hotel lounge to have a glass of wine or whatever, and nobody's there. I think sometimes they need, and I guess as I say this, I go back to, we had J.B. Mooney on here, and he says, what do cowboys like to do? Sit around a campfire and tell stories. We just don't have a campfire anymore. We need campfire, and that's a lobby of a hotel. I think it would do them good sometimes to be down, being sociable, relax your mind a little, be a cowboy a little more. Well, that, I think that all contributes. Yeah, for for all of the good stuff that there is now, like Jess is, he's an amazing athlete. Yeah. He's in impeccable shape all the time. He eats right. I mean, it's freakishly about the way he eats. Like, it just wears me out. 
and and which is really good stuff you know that's that's a great thing but at the same time i'm like man y'all just go fight with each other go go do something agree you know like get out of your sweatpants and let's go do something Mm -hmm. and and um you know so there's i think there's a balance to it yeah you know um there's there's some stuff that i think for all the bad crap that we did um when you mentioned that crew of guys <laughs> that i was around we did some really stupid things um that we would get crucified for these days um that those guys don't have the luxury of being able to make those kind of idiot mistakes that <laughs> we got away with <laughs> um but at the same time for us it was it was about being a cowboy you know or what we thought was about being a cowboy and 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 it was all geared to bull riding all the time for us whether because and it was that way literally like if we're in a hotel and we're being rowdy and this and that and and we run out of things to do we would just fight with each other um and and not because we were mad at one another but we were bored yeah um so you know they were really dumb things but i think it helped us at times also did did you feel a lot of your career like you babysat ross coleman (laughs) (laughs) i tried to and then i gave up on it Uh, i gave up on it at an early i say gave i never completely have given up on that um uh, there were times where, yes, I would a little bit, but for the most part, I just let him go. <laughs> he's doing the perfect thing now. Mostly what he's doing is being a model for ads. Yes. Uh, it's perfect for Ross. He doesn't need to yes. speak. He doesn't need to talk. It's he awesome. just looks hey, good. It was, yeah. It's so bad. He's so into this modeling stuff, which he does a great job at. Yeah. Um, but a couple of years ago at the Global Cup, uh, JW and I had him on the team with us and everything. And, and Andy Watson's needing to get some team pictures well jw orders some whatever gets them and he brings it over he says look at ross and we're all just standing there you know taking our picture not ross boy he's got his old chin down <laughs> staring it down <laughs> I'm like, well yeah J-Dub, that's our model friend oh that's funny um <clears throat> so you know jb mooney complimented you in that you were the guy when he started, that you were in the prime of your career, he caught you in the prime of your career, and then you retired, and he watched you, um, whether it was media, whether it was how to ride, how to prepare. He he spoke a lot about that. Who was your guy that when you started, I mean, besides that rooster, who was your guy? That's Guy Odecielo. <laughs> that... That you came in when you started, and that was the guy you watched. One or two. Not- um, you know what? I would say before I came in, but before I got to the PBR, a guy that I thought I rode just like until I actually seen a video of myself riding and realized I didn't, but somebody that I tried to model myself after. There were actually two of them growing up. Mm-hmm. It was Clint Bonger and Michael Gaffney. Okay. I, I thought I could have guessed Gaffney. I could have guessed they that. Were the, yeah. Two perfect, like nobody looked better than Clint and G-Man to me. You know, they they were 
they were awesome. And of course I looked up to tough and all the, the crew and razor and stuff, but those two guys to me were the ones that I tried to emulate in my mind. Anyway, um, turns out I looked nothing like them <laughs> on the back of a bull, but just how correct they were about everything is, is the way I wanted to do it. And then when I got to start coming around, um, I would say it was, it was, JW because I admired him for how tough he was mm-hmm. and how grown up he was for because when I come around JW was only 24 years old yeah which is really hard to believe because he seemed like he was 54 he's been he's time. he's been making a living riding bulls he was since he was 15 he was around forever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so I really admired JW and and he was the one guy that kind of let Ross and I jump in with him um, right off the bat. And, um, and he always had crazy redneck stuff to do at his house during the week. Like you crash doom buggies and go to the car auction and buy cars and crash. Them. So it was, it was something always really fun to do at JW's. Um, and then a guy that I probably learned a lot from um, was Ty. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned a lot from Ty and, and not anything so much of what he told me. It would just be really smart aleck remarks he would make to me. Um, pretty derogatory remarks no. he would make to me at times. Really? That, um, <laughs> that really helped me the most, probably. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Ty Murray to Justin McBride to J.B. Mooney. Now we wait and see you know, who's watching JB, you know, there's a lot of young guys and JB brought it up too, where they look, I'm going to do like JB Mooney. I'm not going to work out. I'm not, no, there's a few freaks in the world. I I always said there, I've known two guys in their bull riding career that could get away with doing it, how they did it and still be champs, Justin McBride and JB Mooney. And, uh, I don't know it, 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 there's a different, you, you brought up the point. Young guys will say, dude, like JB, I'm not going to work out. Yada, yada. They're missing that element with what you said, no matter what you were doing, it all tied back to winning and being a bull rider. They miss that a lot. Yeah, and they don't realize. I don't think a lot. Of, a lot of times, it's missed on actually what JB does do. Mm. Yes, they they know about the rowdy hell raising JB, but he does a lot of other little things that he doesn't talk about. Right. You know, I had a I had a workout regiment that Ty showed me that I did in my own hotel room. It took fifteen minutes every day, and I did that for several years, and and it wasn't something that I felt like needed talked about a lot or this or that. I knew where my body needed to be, what kind of shape it needed to be in. And also I'd been riding some sort of stock since I could walk. Mm-hmm. JB is that way. You know, he, he's been competing in rodeo since he was a tiny kid. And look, he's got a better understanding of the fundamentals and the mechanics of riding a bull than most guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a better feel for things. He's got a better give and take when it comes to staying on the back of a bull than, than most guys will ever understand. Yeah. And so when they say, I'm going to do it like JB, no, you're not, mm-hmm. but you could take some things, pick out the best things that you like about him and take those away, take those from him and implement them into your game because you're never going to be like him. Right. It, it, uh, recently it slowed back down for him. Didn't it? You can see it in those weeks. He's feeling it again. Yeah. Yeah. People were saying, Oh, poor JB. He just can't keep up. I said, again, I said, hold on. 
He's going to, and he went, he just kept going to rodeos. He kept getting on his repetition, repetition, just like that cutting horse. Pretty soon here he is at the right time. Well, he had to get that feel. And you could see it when he first tried to come back. Everything was just too tight. You know, it's so crazy in bull riding. I mean, you've got to give it everything you've got, but it's got to be going in the right directions. It can't be a tight clamp. No, no sports, no great athlete can be a great athlete being tight. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got to be able to be loose and free and then turn it on in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Uh, you're sitting at a, a fairly new ranch there in tech. You're, it, you're, you're in Texas, but are you a Texan? Or would you? You know what? That's a. That, I've all, I've often wondered the same thing, <laughs> because I was born. I was born in Texas. Really? Um, yes, down, um, kind of in between Fort Worth and Austin. There's an area, Belt and Temple, Colleen, all that area in there is where I was actually born. I lived there until I was eight years old. When I was eight, we moved to Nebraska, and that's where I, from the time I was, that's what I consider where I grew up. From eight to eighteen, we were in Nebraska. <laughs> And so I don't really know. I don't, I don't, I think I'm just a man. You're, you're I'm a man a, of the country. You man. Are, you're a citizen by birth. Yeah. Your hat's not big enough. I don't know. I'll no, no, no. But, um, no. You, but I tell you, it's strange though. It's strange because you can, you bring up the Texan thing and, and, <laughs> and I get it because Texans, they're called Texans for a reason. Like, you know, it's the whole thing, but I swear. My mother-in-law in Nebraska, that's what I tell her all the time. I said, you're just a Texan that lives in Nebraska. You act just like them about Nebraska, though. Yeah, she about Nebraska. Nebraska is the greatest place. It's a lot like you in Montana. You're, you're the same way. Mm-hmm. I'm not as much a loyalist to Montana as Oh, I my mother-in-law is crazy Nebraska. about it. There's some, yeah. there's some Nebraskans. Yeah, I can get that. I get, yeah, yeah, I can understand. And, well, so you're not afraid. You have gone through ranches. You've bought and sold ranches, which I think is cool. And I did not know this. And you can clarify the story. Story. I'm talking to our friend El Diablo on the phone the other day, Keith Ryan Cartwright, and he told me. He said, "You got to bring this story up." that the first ranch you bought you went to the bank and you were not a world champion yet and you went in and am i on the right track i don't have much you're collateral. on the right track yeah i'll clear up the details yeah yeah uh, but yeah you're on the right track i bought when i first started making winning a little bit of money and you know in 99 and starting to win some i started buying land in western oklahoma and it's where my parents were living at the time out there. And I started just buying. I mean, land was cheap out there. There's a reason. There's a reason. <laughs> it's tough country, man. Yeah. Great people, best people in the world, but it is tough country. And I just started buying land out there. And um, it was for not much. You know, it didn't cost a lot. The land didn't. And um, I ended up with a few hundred acres I'd put together. And, and I decided to build a house on it. And my dad and I built this house ourselves, which was a nightmare. Not because my dad, he's a great carpenter, but because of this guy, um, terrible carpenter, no patience, uh, just terrible. I'm a train wreck when it comes to building stuff. Um, so I built this little house on it and it was a cool little place. Uh, I won the world. We got married. Everything's rocking along. Great. And, uh, ranch out there about 3,200 acres, um, come up for sale. 
a really, really good ranch. Um, had a great home, barns, pens, everything you could want, a live creek running through it. Uh, it was a great place. It did cost some money. Um, and I was pretty content with my little spread that I had. Mm -hmm. Everything was paid for. I had a gold buckle now. Um, my wife liked <clears throat> me. Everything was good. And <laughs> that last part, that ranch, helps. That helps. Yeah, that last part. This yeah. ranch come up for sale. And I was like, that's what I need right there. You know, that's 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 more of the end game, not just this, it's that. And so uh yeah, I walked into the bank and at the time um uh, god rest his soul he's passed away now but the the banker there in elk city um uh, old art i walked in and explained to him what i was wanting to do and i had this much in collateral to put up against it um with the place that i owned i had it all paid for and and i said i'll go win another world championship and i'll buy this thing and he said let's do it and so, and at the time it was just in 2006, we were just having Addison and I'd won the world and I didn't care about coming back. Like I really didn't. I went that year, the first handful of events. And when it was getting close for time for her to be born, I left. Um, I didn't, I never forget. I was walking out of an arena. I don't even remember where the heck we were, St. Louis or somewhere. And, uh, I seen Brandon Bates. He yep. was doing in-house stuff back then, and I'm walking out. And he said, "See you next weekend." I said, "No, you won't." He said, "What?" I said, "I don't know when I'm coming back." And he said, "Are you kidding me? You're like second or third or something." Da, da, da. I, said, I don't care. I, I'm going. We're going to have a kid. I don't care. Um, so that ranch, buying that ranch, is really what drove me to go win another world title. Huh. Well. Because if, yeah. if I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have, I probably would have quit earlier. Yeah. Hmm. See, because it, yeah. like I say, it's different for everybody. Like, oh, sure. like Ty, Ty was telling me one time when, when he won his first all around world title, he felt like that was getting to first base. Like he was nowhere near no, but, what yeah. he was wanting to accomplish. Sure. For me growing up, all I wanted to do was be a world champion bull rider. If I could be a world champion, the sun would always shine. The birds would sing every morning. Like I would never have a bad day. Um, and what I realized after winning that, I woke up the next morning and everything still carried on. Yeah, the same. Yeah. Everything's it, the same. It, nothing changed, yeah. you know? Um, and so I think it made it easier to get the second one though. I sure. do. I do feel like sure. that. Um, <laughs> The transition to, uh, you know, uh, you are, you are our best TV analyst. I mean, hands down. I think, I don't know why I'm telling you this. I can tell the guys off once we're done too, but I think in rodeo, in, in rodeo PBR, Western sports, the two best analysts, TV guys are Joe Beaver and Justin McBride. Joe Beaver at the NFR talking horses, timed event stuff. You talking bull ride. That's harder than it looks. The TV thing, especially now the play-by-play, -play, and I'll get to Craig Hummer. He's the glue. He's the glue that holds it together. But the other guys, because I've done a little ride pass stuff, you got to get in, get out, make your point in that little pocket and make sense, make an impact, and then step back out. It's harder than it looks, isn't it? Yeah, it can be. You know, it can be really hard. Um, the thing that I always try to keep in mind, which, and it can be a little intimidating, you know, like, look, 
it's just you and Craig or whatever the, the dynamic is in the booth, you know, and there's a couple of camera guys and maybe a stage manager and that's all there is. So I didn't like you're performing in a big front of a big crowd or anything, but when that little red light comes on and you realize there's a couple million people watching, then you start hanging on every word you say, Oh, did I pronounce that right? Should I not have said that word? Should I use this? Especially in today's world. Oh, oh God, yeah. Who did I just yeah. offend, you know? <laughs> so, so it can be really intimidating when that red light comes on. If you let it, um, the way I look at it though, is we've got great people. We've got great TV people. They know TV. They've worked in all sorts of sports. So I trust them to do the TV part. Y'all get me where I need to be, do, you know, this or that. Leave the bull riding to me. I know about bull riding. I don't know very much in this world, but I do know about bull riding. Mm -hmm. And so that's the way I try to look at it. Like, I don't need them. You know, we have all kinds of meetings and things, you know, I don't need them to tell me what I'm going to talk about on camera. Sure. I will take advice on what maybe they think is a good storyline, but that's all it's going to be is advice. I'll take it or leave it. Um, and, and I'm not saying that trying to be egotistical or cocky about it or anything like that, but they're a TV guy from New York yeah. and they will forget more about TV, the workings of it, how it comes together than I will ever know or even care to know. But when it comes to bull riding, I don't need a TV guy telling me what to talk about. Yeah. I need them to help me. Um, and and bring out those points that I'm wanting to say and do them in the right way at the right time. Maybe hold on to them this week. Don't even bring that up this week. That might not happen for a year down the line um, where I'll use that. Um, So I need help a lot of times. And we have people that will give great help if you're willing to take it. Um, But at the same time, I know about bull riding and I'm confident in that. You know, when when it comes to, when when you're out there on the dirt, I mean, right. most people in that situation would feel like they're drowning and cannot get a life preserver thrown to them. Yeah. You've got to be comfortable in what you're doing and confident in, in what you're doing. Um, and, and if you're not, you're going to struggle. If you're worried about, oh, did I say this right? Did I not? Should I say this about this rider or about this bull? You're going to struggle. Right. Um, I, I have said uh, rodeo telecasts for years and years have been about you know in the past nobody works harder than this guy he's the nicest guy in the world everybody has an uh, equal opportunity to win uh give him a hand he deserves it there i think what pbr has done and being on a sports network like cbs sports network has has made us and guys like you treat them like professional athletes. I have a, I have a saying I've always used about cowboys, rodeo guys. They want to be treated like professional athletes until they get treated like professional athletes. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we've done, I think CBS, I think the PBR always say we, we've done a good job. Even our in arena announcers, if some, somebody deserves to be criticized and we can be critical, you do it. Do you ever, do you take heat from the riders? Or are they getting used to that? If you're critical, you know, our friend G man, Michael Gaffney, he had trouble with that. He was so nice. He couldn't yeah. say he should have tried harder. Do you take heat if you're critical? You're no J.W. Hart. 
but no, no, I, but, I, I will never be a JW Hart. <laughs> Luckily, there is only one. Yes, man. Uh, but you, you know, with that, like I think everybody has their strengths, and and JW, that is a strength of his. Gail, you've got to get somewhere. <laughs> What's his name? What's the rooster's name? Gail De Cielo. What is that? What is that? Huh? Can you say what He's that a rooster? It's a song. Oh, okay. Song. <laughs> they see yeah. You need to look it up. I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Song. I'll look it up. It's okay. Like six minutes long. <laughs> like all the great old uh, cowboy singers. There's uh, Ian Tyson, oh, Tom yeah. Russell. All these guys have sang. So anyway, it's a cool yeah. little song okay. about a fighting chicken. <laughs> He's no fighting chicken. He's just an annoying, crazy, possessed devil rooster. But anyway. Uh, yes, no, and going back to that, like, like I feel like that's one of JW's strengths. He's got two really good strengths. One is nobody that does TV stuff or whatever attempt to do it knows as much as JW does about the Bulls. Huh. Um, yeah. And that's, that's half of our sport. Mm-hmm. It's not a half that I get quite as in depth in as what JW does because that's where his main interest lies. Sure. You know, and, um, <laughs> he agrees. He's getting me a see? Well, he good agrees. point. Good point. Yeah. But like, like as far as being critical of guys, um, I always try to do it in a way where, where I'm not just being critical to be critical. Like, like I'll explain why. I'm critical of that ride or why I'm critical of this or that. And, and I try to do it in a way where if they do watch it back, like, yeah, it might offend them a little bit at first, but if they're being honest with themselves, they can see exactly what I'm talking about. And, and if they want to, they could actually fix it right then. Yeah. Because I just told them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But, um, and so, no, I don't, you know, I don't, um, I had years ago, a guy, um, that, and I know him really well and stuff, but he got a little upset with me one time about, um, saying that he was catching his knots on his rope. Come on, man. Tell me who it was. It's Cody Nance. Okay. And and I I talked about it and, and he knows he was doing it, you know, at the time it it wasn't no big deal. I saw him do it. He just didn't like it being pointed out. (laughs) Sure. Sure. And it's like, look, you got a job to do. That's ride the bull. I've got a job to do and you do yours and I'll do mine. I can see your face. You're still thinking about the rooster. Anyway. I love that rooster. Oh, yeah. I know you do. No, I We all do. We all do. I really don't. If anyone would like some chicken and dumplings, come see me. Joe Frost. Joe Frost. Well, he's a chicken guy. He likes chicken and dumplings? No, he just likes chickens. He buys chickens. So we can get a hold of Joe. I'll give him this chicken. I know. I'll see what. I'll give him a call. Let him know. You have a rooster. Um, (laughs) Speaking of TV, how the heck... I said Craig Hummer is the glue. Everybody needs a broadcaster, you know, for a while, and the argument has worn out now. It used to be our fans, we need a guy with the cowboy hat. We need a cowboy doing the commentary. I always say, if every NFL football broadcaster was a former player, it'd be terrible, you know? It'd be really bad. And how has a guy from Ohio that was uh, did swim races in Australia and a lifeguard and on Baywatch become 
so part of what we do so well respected for fans that are listening that are critical of Craig Hummer he is amazing how, how has he done that well, for a guy with no background in what we do be really become part of our culture and our cowboy lifestyle yeah um to me and and this is my personal opinion and and as someone that watches a lot of sports and and I watch them in a different way now because mm-hmm. of doing TV um Hummer Hummer's amazing man he he really is um like the way I feel about Hummer is is however good or bad I've gotten to be in large part, it's due to him. Sure. Um, and, and because I ask him a lot of questions and, and different things. And like, we've gotten like an old married couple up there now. Like <laughs> I know when he's wanting to get a little extra point in or wanting to go a little bit longer on a stat, I don't even have to look at him. He knows when to button it up and let me have it. Like we've worked together enough and we've got such a feel for what the other one will bring at at a certain time that it's, it's really fun. It, It really is fun, but the amount of work, that Craig puts into it. That's what people don't realize. Right. They think they can show up, slap a suit jacket on and, and do it. Hmm. Craig works all week long from in between event to event. He's working on the next event. Um, and that's what makes my job so easy is because he is so well prepared and then he's confident. He's a confident <laughs> yeah. dude. You know, he, yeah. he tries to play the, Oh, shucks. So you guys can just beat up on me the whole time, but he's not really that away. No. You know, he's a competitive, con- confident dude. And, and that's what makes him so great. He's got a huge ego, but he knows how to disguise it so well. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what you've got to be able to do in TV, man. Um, I feel like, um, and Craig is as good as anybody. I, I don't care if you're talking about, to Rico. Uh, I, I don't care who it is. I, I feel like Hummer, you could give him an NFL gig yeah, and he could do it. No problem because he would do the necessary work. And I, I, he never, he, you're right. He does the, ah, shucks. I'm no cowboy. He never tried to be. He's never put on a cowboy hat. He never, you know, he just does who, who he is. But when he says, and which ah, I think is the right move, that's the completely right move. Completely because right. He's not a phony. Exactly. He's not a phony. He's a sports guy. He loves sports and he's great at calling sports. And why do we want somebody pretending that they're yeah, a cowboy? Exactly. Guy when that's not what you are. That's mm-hmm. the phoniest thing you could possibly do. Yeah. But he, you know, from that background, he, he probably, he can talk about bull riding as good as anybody. He's never been on a bull, never grew up around a bull, but as much as he sees it, he leads you into think like you said, like the old married couple, he starts the conversation so that you can finish it. He, yep, that's he exactly. knows where he's going. He knows where he he's going. States, he does such a great job of stating all the facts, and then he'll just throw you a couple little breadcrumbs so you can come give your opinions over top of them. Yeah. Hey, I I like the guy. I'm always he's one that he always makes my day better. That guy. But yeah, uh, he's a he's a good dude, man. He's a he's a really, really a great guy, but his work ethic is it really yeah. is second to none. Uh speaking of that, t- uh coming up the day uh as we're doing this, the day this uh podcast drops, as we say in the biz, that when it drops. First day of the PBR World Finals. 
Uh, it's habit to say, I've said it, I don't know how many times. Yeah, I go to Vegas on the 10th. I fly to Vegas on the 10th. To me, PBR World Finals, NFR, I don't even say the name of them. I just say Vegas. It, right. what a, I mean, uh, yes, I'm very glad we're having it. But, man, this is a big – that's a AT&T Stadium's a big room to work. Oh. I'm, I'm tired. I've been running oh. every day. <laughs> what yeah. a weird – but, hey, but we are one of the few sports concert tours, however you look at us, entertainment, that got a whole season in. So kudos to PBR. I mean – yeah, yeah, and, and I'm with you. I mean, on your point on Vegas, like, yeah, it's weird. It's just weird, man. Like, I'm going to drive to the PBR finals the day of. Like, you know, that, <laughs> you suck. That just, <laughs> yeah. that just doesn't happen. Right. You know, I'm going to drive home each night. <sighs> um, you know, it, it just is a weird, it's a weird deal, but it's the reality that we live in right now. And so bring it on. You know, yeah. if, if that's what allows us to crown a world champion, then I am very thankful for it. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of put you on the spot. Every year at the PBR World Finals, we go in and we go, something's going to happen. I mean, a few years ago, Ryan Dirt Eater wins the World Finals aggregate title. Jose Vitor Leme comes out of nowhere a few years ago. I mean, every year there's something that makes us go, what the hell just happened? What is it? What are we going to see this year? Do you see anything on the horizon? For one, we brought it up earlier. J.B. Mooney looks really good. Look out. Yeah. Um, what else are we going to see? What I mean, it doesn't have to be specific, but what's the tone going to be? Who's going to surprise us this year? There's always, there's always, like you're saying, there's that guy that you're like, what? Where did that? I mean, Marco Agucci won the average. There you go. <laughs> dirt eater uh, you know jose coming out of nowhere those things there's always one there's a guy that gets dialed in during the finals and he's able to ride out of his mind and and there'll be one of those guys um i i mean i can't put my finger on on yeah. who it'll be i think though you've gotta the way the way mooney's riding right now um cooper davis is one that that I really think yeah. could win the event. And with that happening with him winning the event. Um, and I, I really hope nothing bad happens for Jose as far as injuries or anything like that. But if some freaky thing happened and he wasn't able to stack up any scores, um, Davis could be somebody that all of a sudden you go, what on Sunday, this guy could win the world. Um, just because of him winning the event. Um, so I think there's enough of those really good guys mm -hmm. that are far back that are going to make some noise. They, they, they can ruin it. They don't necessarily have to win the world title, but they can ruin it for somebody. Yes. I mean, Jess Jess Lockwood. Yeah, Lockwood is... Uh, Big time. <clears throat> he'll be feeling, you but, know. But yeah. with all that being said, look, Jose, I, I will... I would expect him to go in yeah. and just kick butt and get his first world title. Yeah. Um, I love Joe out of death. I love Joe. I think he's, he's one of the coolest guys on tour. Yeah. Um, he's tough. He doesn't complain. Smiles. He just smiles yeah. and keeps going at it, but man. There's this little, get over that little hump. I don't know if he can get over that. I, I can he know. magically be able to ride bulls away from his hand? No, he yeah. can't. And he's ridden a few. But he gets to pick some of them. Yeah, true. And if he draws some of them that fit him, then, you know, anything can happen. Yeah. But, I, no, on paper, no. Jose is 
by far clear the front runner. Yeah. Uh, Cooper, you hate to say this. Well, Cooper Davis knows it. There's nothing scarier to every other rider than Cooper Davis, not when, just when he's riding well, when he wants to ride well. When he wants, because Cooper, he teeters. Between he'll, ooh, my, my wrist is bad. I got to stay home. And then you'll see pictures of him in Cabo or something. Yeah. He's got, I, I mean, I, I actually, I envy that a little bit. Yeah. I, what yeah. the hell, you know? Um, have you ever seen the mitts, the hands on Joao Ricardo Vieta? Have you ever looked oh, at yeah. it? They're like handy Andy's. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we did a video. We did that video last year where we were sitting around the poker table. And Chase Outlaw, who we can, I oh, wish yeah. he was around. And it's all, and Joao's sitting there and we had our hands out and they're filming it and he's holding the cards. And I said, holy crap. And there had just at the end of the season at one of the locations been a kind of a, a scrap when you say right. guys should fight right. each other. Oh, yeah. It was real. It was yeah. a couple Brazilian. Yeah, yeah. And he came in first. Yes. That guy, I mean, uh, famously, like Phil Line has hands like that. Right. There's certain Ty Murray's fingers. That guy, it's no wonder, right? I mean, I would no, like to get hit. He by hit him. all of your face when he hits you. <laughs> <laughs> don't hey, don't you wish? Guy, I always talk about guys uh, being good for business. Man, Chase Outlaw is good for business. What is he comes back and tears up his shoulder? Does he? Does that concern you? It, uh, what he's you know gone what? through injury-wise? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. But um, Outlaw, I could spend this whole show just talking about Outlaw. Yeah. He is an intriguing, cool story to me. Um, what I've seen Outlaw do from the time I first met him, and I met him the day he turned 18 years old. I met him in Kearney, Nebraska, and I watched him win the turn pro there. <laughs> To what I know now, to where I see him at now, it is, it's insane. It's, it's crazy. The journey that he's been on, um, and it's still not over for him, Mm -hmm. um, but it is, is pretty cool. Yeah. He's somebody I, I, I really think a lot of outlaw and, and it's not that he's a, he's a better young man than any of the other guys on there. It's just, I I've kind of been able to follow his story from start to where he's at now and to see where he's at now. It's, it's pretty remarkable and everything that he's gone through and just to see the kind of man that he keeps working to become is, is pretty cool story. Yeah, I agree. Uh, before I let you go, because it's bull riding, because I get asked this all the time. So I I finish up with J.B. Mooney a few weeks ago. I said, all right, the question everybody asks, who's the greatest bull rider you ever saw? And he said, in person? Yes, whatever. In your career? Do you, maybe, no, yeah, you don't listen to my podcast. Do you know who he said? Do you know what, who do you think J.B. Mooney said? Um, I think maybe he said, was it in person or anytime in person? Oh, cause he probably didn't get to see Jim in person. Yeah, um, maybe, but yeah, I would have thought he had went with razor. Uh, Brian Cantor. Oh, early yeah, you know, on, early on. I should have known that because he's told me that before. Yeah. He has told me that before, but then, yeah. and then, but then I said, uh, no career wise, you know, greatest Right, and I, right. he 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 couldn't narrow down. Chris Shivers, he respects a lot, and you know, yep. Um, in your mind, if somebody says greatest bull rider ever, bam, what? Jim Sharp, Jim Sharp, 
that's my that's my that, that, you know don't you my think punch back reaction every time is Jim Sharp. Most people I can't say most. A lot of people here here's here's what I see. Fans say uh, JB Mooney, Chris Shivers. People on the inside of the bull riding world say Jim Sharp. Right? Yeah. Is that what you see? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> Um, it's, it's tough. Now, if you start going by statistics, um, it's tough to throw razor in with those two guys because the PBR Jim was kind of on his way out throughout the PBR. He could still really ride and stuff, but if you just go on the eye test of, if you know what you're looking at in bull riding and you watch the videos and you see the things of razor, nobody can compete. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like stupid good. Yeah. Stupid good. But then when when you start going in the stats and you start looking at the things done in the PBR, I I mean, I don't know how you argue with JB, but at the same time, because I had to live through his little ass, was Chris Shiver. <laughs> uh, there's the I eye mean, there's, test. There's yeah. no beating that guy. No. There was no beating in any way. Chris Shiver. Yeah. You yeah. had to, you had to, what I did, and it, and it still didn't work, but what you had to do was just block Chris Shivers out. Hmm. Um, and not worry about what scores he got in these things and just go ride your bull and hope when it all the dust settled that you'd stayed on maybe one more than he had. Yeah. Uh, because you weren't going to beat him. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't care. You weren't going to. No. Uh, uh, but, but Troy Dunn was one that I really think a lot of also. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, there's statistics and then I always, I think that's what Jim Sharp does for you. The eye test. The, what really the moment yeah, you watch uh, it it's perfect yeah uh i will say this and then i'll i'll let you go when people ask me that and i say in my career because i've been you know i've i first started and tough and jim and all those guys were still here cody lambert and then i went that next generation troy dunn and then you and ross and then it now <laughs> now i'm to jess lockwood <laughs> he almost well, got he you, snuck dude. up on yeah. me but I will say when it came, when people ask me that, and I say, when it comes to great moments, um, the kind of friend somebody is a guy who I know will do anything for me. And what I saw in my career, mine's Justin McBride every time, oh, man. every time. Come on. Yeah, I know. Well, thanks, but I tell you, I, I got put in. I appreciate that a lot. I got put into this Hall of Fame deal here in Texas the other day, a bull riding deal, and it was a bunch of people a lot older than me there. You know, I, yeah. I, I felt really out of place at it. Um, but it was cool because Joe Bumgarner was getting. Yes. Oh, yeah. Sure. That, yeah. That was awesome. I I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, Julio Bushwhacker was getting put in, so there was there was some cool stuff. But like, like to me, I did. I don't feel like I belong mentioned in those categories with those guys. But the one thing that I did tell them that day was wherever it ends up throughout time and who's there and who's ranked here, whatever the way people want to look at it. I can say this. I went and mixed it up against the very best bulls and the very best guys that there were for 10 years. You know, um, I week in, week out, I went and got on the best bulls. And the limited amount of time that I got to pick them in 08, those handful of events, I picked the very best bulls that there were. Yeah. And, and I think that's why I could quit when I wanted yeah. to quit. You know, like I, I loved every second of it, and and it was. I'm 
thankful for it and fortunate to still get to be around it in some aspect. Yeah. Well, listen, we'll, uh, we'll do this PBR world finals and at the people listen to it when it's all over and see how stupid we are, who we talked about. But, uh, listen, I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, you've always, whenever I call you answer and I okay. appreciate that. There's a couple guys that do that. JB's one year one, you know, there's a few others, but, um, it was fun. I, I, I've kind of lived through all these generations and I'm on the downhill slide too. I can't do it at 28. I can't quit at 28. <laughs> Listen, say, say hi to your kids and your wife for me. And uh, Justin McBride, you're a, you're a good champ and I appreciate your time, buddy. Thank you, Flint. Appreciate you got it, it, man. You got it. Justin McBride, everybody.